Thank you for joining us at MindSpeak, the show that delves into global issues with a local perspective. This is a voice, not an echo. If you can't speak your mind, you can't be human. Hi, folks, and welcome back to MindSpeak. This is episode 256, The Stupidity of Artificial Intelligence. Uh, I want you to thank you for, um, I guess you could say, being patient there for a while. I took a little time off. It was necessary. Kind of recharged the batteries and all of that. But thank you very much for your emails and, 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 and texts and things like that to... Uh, if not encourage me at least to uh, to remind me of of how the show has meant to a lot of people so I, I today thank you for that now this is an interesting subject in the sense that I've been writing about it for years but I've been writing about it in terms of not literary but in terms of the pure scientific ethical elements of it I wrote a number of articles I even wrote an entire book about it some of strength of a human philosophy is also based on uh, being against this sort of thing. But um, it, it just never really occurred to me that now this would cross over into a literary sense. We literally have people that are trying to write stories or books or things like that just through, I don't know, either dictating some basic notes or just a couple of formula ideas and somehow the computer can do the rest. Like it's going to make any difference in terms of uh, anything original, anything heartfelt, certainly anything soulful. And we'll talk about all of those because those elements in art, heart, soul, etc., they're the major factors in, in, in how you really can't recreate something human. You, you just simply can't. And we're going to talk about this and, and a number of these uh, these topics in here. We'll go first with some of the other things I've written about on artificial intelligence, and then we can go more into the literary things. I have literally had to, and we'll, we'll talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, okay? Now, some of the things I discovered along the way over the last few years of dealing with matters of artificial intelligence is, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's the God astonished truth. Uh, Hollywood isn't too far off from things sometimes, some things, okay? I always felt that Hollywood was off on the military always being the bad guy because, you know, I'm a veteran and I never saw it that way. And I'm not saying that military is a bunch of saints, but there's certainly not a bunch of sinners either. You know, you, you have your good and your bad on, on whatever particular policy it could be. So it's not really a black and white issue in, in that way. But artificial intelligence, just a lot like human cloning, which I also wrote about. It's just completely, completely negative and dark. It's simply no real redeeming quality to it because we don't know how to restrain it. We don't know how to get it, let it go beyond anything because of our own vanity's sake, because of our own God complex, just because of our own scientific, I, I feel, you know, naivety that. Because we could do something, let's do it. The hell with ethical considerations. The hell with safety. The hell with humanity. Just, you know, this is important. Let's do it. 
Almost like scientific people are bored. Let's find new ways to kill people. You know, and unfortunately, this is a, a definitely a, a great example of that. Now, like I mentioned before, Hollywood has been pretty, pretty darn close to, I think, predicting how this can be. All right. Uh, a, a good example would be uh, the uh, Determinator movies, where it was obvious that we, for whatever godless reason, and I tell you, you hope that people will learn. You really do. Because we could be looking at the extinction of mankind if they don't. But they literally just turned over all of the military and nuclear missiles, all of its defenses to a computer system. And the reason why they did that is, again, because of the same weak fallacy arguments that they always have. Well, it'll be faster. It's safer. This, that, whatever. Let me tell you something, folks. When you have it finger on the trigger of a nuclear missile that can end the lives of 300 million people, okay? Maybe something quicker is not the best idea. Maybe having a, a process, maybe it being a bit slower, it might not be a bad idea. You know, it really, if you quite think about it, let's say, I don't care if it's China or Russia and, and us, it's about 30 minutes or so for the intercontinental inter ballistic missiles to hit, okay? So if you deliberate for two more minutes and what? You get destroyed and then two more minutes later they get destroyed. You know, and the balance of the planet it's not making that much of a difference, but the two minutes can make a difference on whether something has really been launched against you, whether you can truly identify what's going on. Rather than just trusting a computer to somehow, because things can be fooling, you know. I, I remember when I when I worked with a spy plane program in the Air Force. One of the first things they said about retiring uh, the uh, SR seventy one was that well, satellites are, are faster and better and and cheaper, even though they're not cheaper. They're a hundred times more expensive than anything that plane has ever created. In fact, one satellite was literally like the, the same the same budget for the, the SO-71 from like the beginning to the end of its creation. Just one satellite. So that's, of course, a complete lie. Second thing is, well, we could do things faster, which is always the same lame argument. Well, guess what? The element of surprise in the military, like anything else in life, is crucial for sometimes your victory. When you had that plane flying uh, Mach 3 and better, there's no way they knew when it was going to come from. When anger was going to come from everything, and next thing you know, it's taking a photograph and it's leaving. Or a, a series of photographs. Okay? Because it's unpredictable. Satellites, guess what? They are predictable because they are in orbit. And guess what? Once you figure out the orbit that it's in, well, you could do lots of things. You could move something so it doesn't take a picture. You can cover something up so it doesn't take a picture. You can camelize something so it doesn't take a picture. As long as you have an idea of where it's coming from, what's going to go on, roughly when it's going to happen, you could do that. You can't do that with the, with the SO-71. You can't do that with a fast spy plane. So, in many ways, the greatest, supposedly, most expensive, incredibly robotic, super efficient way of doing something really in the end wasn't all that safe wasn't all that great you could fool it you could stop it 
Not to mention, you know, it doesn't take long for the Chinese and the Russians to figure out missiles to, to fire in the upper atmosphere to destroy a satellite. So it can also be destroyed as well. Where the SO-71 has never been shot down once. They fired missiles on it forever now, never, never stopped it. So again, but this is what happens when you have people that they want to spend the money, they, they want to believe it's something more powerful, more interesting, more exalted, etc., 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 and they don't weigh all of those things we just talked about, all of those things we learned. This is not to say that satellites are still not useful, because they are. Yeah, in many ways they had some closer uh, pictures, some, some good information that maybe the planes wouldn't have gotten to for a while. Maybe that not even gotten to forever in some cases. But the trade-offs, as you can see there, they're far worse than anything that had an advantage. But we don't do that. We don't do that for ego's sake. We don't do that for vanity's sake. Hell, we don't seem to do that for political sake. And that's, that's a real problem. Now, one of the real issues that I have with artificial intelligence, and we'll go down a list of these things, is, and, and you don't have to believe in a, in a God to understand this, okay? That we believe, and most major religions believe the same thing, that, you know, we are, as human beings, created in the image of God. It seems to me that it's almost like we've tried to become gods ourselves. I mean, with the nuclear weapon, we could destroy the planet now. So in many ways, we have the power of God. Now it's almost like we're trying to create something. So it's almost like artificial intelligence is on the opposite end of nuclear warfare. Like somehow it's imbuing in us, you know, our creation. It's, it's created in our image. Well, that's a real problem because... Why would somebody want to create something in our image when we still have a whole lot to go in terms of the social evolution of, of humanity? You think about it. 2023, okay? Some of the most advanced technology in the world, including some of this artificial intelligence, all right? And we still, okay? We still haven't stopped war. Nope. We still continue to make more and more weapons to kill more and more people. Yep, we got that down. All right. There's a film coming out here soon that literally describes how people have to go to countries to rescue children because otherwise technology through ad tags and computer directing and freighting and all of that will, will literally deliver a child for sexual purposes to some fat old married guy because he has the money to pay for that because there's an incredible market for this. In 2023, we haven't even figured out yet a way to stop slavery, the sexual slavery, and etc. There's so many issues that we have on the planet, and what are we going to do? We're going to create artificial intelligence to do what? Hmm? If anything, it's going to be more efficient in, in being bad judgment of things. A few years back, the, the Norwegian... Air Force had discovered that when it allowed its planes to use artificial intelligence as a way to monitor and even fire its missiles from its planes, 
not even an hour into the into the flights, and the artificial intelligence identified the enemy and tried to fire the missiles. Uh, that was on the other Norwegian airplanes at the time. That's what it was firing at. Because that's what its threat was. Because guess what? It's not hard to figure out a, a computer because they don't have the depth of humanity that we do. They don't even have the kind of judgment when they do. They only have a certain criteria. They figured whatever it was with weapons similar to theirs would be a threat to them, so therefore they were going to destroy it. Now, if you want to be naysayers, oh, Mark, it's really just about testing that out, and since no one got harmed, we can now do better programming. Well, guess what? You're making my argument, because what I say is, put down this crap of artificial intelligence, and why don't we figure out a better way to program humanity, okay? So we wouldn't have such a need for weapons in the first place, where we can actually treat trade peacefully with nations without having all these problems and all these subjects and all these negative feelings about power and control and suspicion and paranoia. Because the once you say that programming crap, well, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be able to learn how to socially deprogram ourselves from some of this negative stuff. Because I'm telling you right now, until we can get better at ethical judgment, at the moral compass that's necessary for this world, how the hell are we ever going to be able to imbue on any kind of artificial intelligence something that's greater than us, something that's going to have the kind of, the kind of qualities that we would expect? Because if it's going to have the same crap that we're going to have, it's just going to be more dangerous than human beings, but with the same flaws. What would be the point of that? And again, if somehow we can program computers to be better, then why don't we figure out to, to program people to be better? By communicating. By trying to settle the differences, even if there are small ones into the future until something larger can happen. Every little step counts. But we don't do that because it's easy to make these stupid shortcuts. It's like, in many ways, part of this technological progress, if you want to call it progress, okay, is the belief that something else can do something better than us. Which, in many ways, to me, it's not really a vanity as much as that's some kind of an insecurity. You don't trust humans, so let's trust robots. Yeah, that's a better idea. And then, of course, there's the other thing. How, in God's name, or maybe if we don't believe in God, not in God's name, is there a way to try to stick some kind of parameters on something like that so maybe we can get something useful out of artificial intelligence. Maybe it only has certain limitations on certain things so that we're not in danger. Like it's studying, you know, cells and diseases and stuff like that to kind of come up with some answers. And that's fine. Versus it being in charge of our military. 
or in charge of the internet or something like that. Back in the old days of science fiction, Asimov came along with the rule that, you know, the robots, uh, they had a, a core belief that, you know, they couldn't harm people. So therefore, you could trust it now because it couldn't harm you. Well, Asimov never really figured out that there's plenty of ways around that because a robot, through its own logical thinking, could come up with ways that it wouldn't harm humanity at the same time it's killing part of humanity because it could it could possibly reason that some humanity is better than other humanity I know it's hard to believe that computers can fall for a bigotry but you know if we're programming them why not and this is how the rationalization of computers can easily happen to where it could destroy segments of people with the belief that it's not harming humanity because humanity is still millions of people. Even if a billion has been killed. You see? A human being doesn't believe that a billion people murdered is not harming humanity. They would never go for that. But a computer can, because it can rationalize that stuff easily. You can mathematically rationalize that. It's really the the, the core of you know of, of fascism, of core of Nazism. It's, it's the core of many ways of, of communism, where people didn't embody individuals anymore. Or therefore, souls that you know were important to to God and humanity. They were simply just subjects of the state. And as long as the state had enough people to, to do its bidding, and killing a bunch of them didn't matter. It was just numbers to be thrown away because the state was important, or in this case, because artificial intelligence is important. Or in many cases, the rationale of artificial intelligence would be. You know, Earth is important. You can literally program a, an artificial intelligence one day to literally kill people and destroy things because it believes that it's better for its ecosystem if we didn't really have too much of an imbalance on that. Because it's good for the planet, you see? Because that would be part of his programming. I need to save the frogs, so I'm going to kill 27 million people on this, on this continent over here, and then that should reduce the the logging and the deforestation and uh, frogs should be returning in about 35 or 40 years. There'd be no consideration for any of that in a computer's mind. And quite frankly, I think in many ways, the programmers wouldn't think the same way either. That's why this is so incredibly dangerous. Now, the next point is if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that people are any more special than just evolved creatures and we're at the top of the food chain, okay, fine. I don't mind that argument either because why the hell would we ever want to replace us at the top of the food chain with something like that? Why would you want to have a competitor? Who the hell wants that? 
You don't want a competitor as a normal human being. And then on top of that, yeah, I'm going to go create one for me. I'm going to go create a creator now. This, this can't play. I can't still be great. Not a good idea. So it's very illogical at, at best. And, of course, it's really contrary to, to human nature. Not all human nature is bad. Some of it makes sense. Competition is helpful and helpful and, and healthy as long as it doesn't get out of hand. But that, it would definitely get out of hand. Because in the end, anything that became a threat to artificial intelligence would be destroyed one way or the other. And if you think about it, the people who are creating artificial intelligence... They know about the Hollywood ideas, the Terminator, the, the, the machines could take over and end of the world and all that. In fact, it, it hasn't left their minds. They just believe somehow this can, can control better. This won't be getting out of hand, but we, well, we'll make money from it. It'll be more efficient. It'll be interesting. Blah, 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 blah. That's what that vanity is talking. Somehow... We're going to be able to put this genie back in the bottle. And we're not. Now, as recently as a few weeks ago, I had to put into an effect on my uh, literary journal, Aerial Chart, the first provision that I'm not going to allow artificial intelligence you know, to create something. So if you're doing some chat GPT thing or something like that, that won't be allowed. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to ban somebody from doing that. It's just, I'm not interested in that sort of stuff at all. If you can't be a human creating this, then you have no business with us. And maybe there's other places that are willing to do that. That's up to them. I'm not against that. They, they do whatever they want. But this is what I want because I, I thankfully think that art is human created. It, art has a, a real purpose in humanity and machines have nothing to do with that. Now, I've checked a few of these things out. So, I mean, I'm sorry to say that you're not always going to be able to tell. Because sometimes, you know, and, and I'm not trying to mock anybody. It's just the truth. If you get somebody that comes from a, um, you know, a culture where they don't have English as their first language, they might have English as their second or possibly even a third language, you know, even as much as they try to practice their English writing, even as much as they try to use you know, grammarly and stuff like that, it, it could sound a little bit Frankensteinish, a little bit robotic or something. Yeah, and that, that, could, that could always be possible. So, we play it by ear. You hope people will be honest about it. If not, you know, later on I'll find out eventually from somebody doing saying something about it, and then it'll be it. It'll, it'll get erased. So, it's not a perfect situation. But I could tell you that definitely against it. Art is really as a foundation of humanity. Before early humans were even able to figure out a language. They were drawing on a cave. That's art. Before they even did that. 
Yep. I'm throwing a damn spear at this woolly mammoth. And uh, I'll have some meat and some, uh, you know, clothes and shelter and stuff. And this will help me out and blah, blah, blah. So there was something, even then, that early human beings understood. And it might have been more than just, I'm trying to show my woolly mammoth picture to Ugg the caveman over here. Um, might have been just a way to, an urge almost, a deep desire to broadcast something that is integral to your life. It's what a lot of art should be, a lot, whether it's a painting or a poem or a song or symphony or whatever. So they understood that. Instinctively, they understood that. It's always been about that, about striving on ahead, finding out something deep inside, something that hasn't been revealed or something that should be known or something that, hell, Maybe they're the only ones that talked about it. Everybody knows about it, but they're the only ones that ever said anything. A way to to reveal something that we all know, so in order to have some courage and we can move forward. That's what art does. That's what art's all about. That stuff doesn't happen in, in a machine. It doesn't have those kind of feelings. It has no real soul. And in many ways, the machine, I guess if you think about it, you know, technically the machine could go on for you know, many, many lifetimes of a human being. I guess technically uh, uh, if a machine could be kept in work and order, it could be, you know, practically eternal. But even with all its power, the machine still can't process the memory that it has or the memory that a human being has. Because all it is is a bunch of data. All it is is a bunch of, you know, points of interest, factoids, bullet points, stuff like that. Nothing that's going to really resemble anything we have learned to be, to be as true. Anything that has stirred our emotions and anything that's bled into our dreams that becomes art. It just doesn't happen machines because they don't have the same they don't have the same desires as we do they don't have the same dreams as we do we certainly don't have any idea of a fear which believe it or not is an important human element fear is not always a good thing but oftentimes fear is is an important thing because it allows you to alert you to something that you wouldn't have known otherwise Fear is really, in many ways, the act of courage. Because when you're fearless, that's when you become pretty much insane. That's what a machine really is in the end. Because it's fearless, it, it, in many ways, it, it doesn't have the same kind of psychological capacity of a human being. It's beyond that. It doesn't have the same... I guess you could say confines of, of morality... That's a real problem because we need more of that in the world, not not less. And that's why in many ways technology is disappointing because so many of us, I mean, 
It never occurred to Orwell, or even to Huxley, that when it came down to the privacy of individuals, it would be less about the, the state becoming the aggressor and more about corporations becoming the aggressor, even individuals themselves because of the technology involved now, because of the miniaturization, because of the Internet. They never, they never really envisioned that. They just felt it was all going to be one big invested, expensive uh, apparatus and only a state could do that. They never really imagined anything beyond this. So in many ways, uh, we're in a much more powerful future than, than Orwell or uh, uh, Brave New World Huxley ever thought of. Because... We cannot longer blame, and this is really the best way to put it, blame, because ultimately in the end, 1984 and Brave New World blamed the social dysfunction on the fact that it was created by the state. I'm like this because of you. Well, guess what? In 2023, you can't blame the government anymore. If a corporation has done something to harm you, you have legal rights possibly to sue them or do something else. Maybe if the media is not in collusion with them, you can possibly help to, you know, to expose all that and etc. But you can't blame the government really anymore. Nor can you blame the government or the corporation if an individual got involved in some way to cyber bully you or. Uh, create some privacy against you, film something uh, that you're naked and put your put it across the internet or, you know, and then get your children and uh, thrown into custody or something with the social services because they think you're a bad parent. Well, a lot of crazy things have gone on. So it's not such an easy thing to make all this blame anymore now because there's so much stuff that's been done or can be done. It has more to do with not only government responsibility, but also corporate responsibility and personal responsibility. Those are some of the three aspects now of the future that it was really never conceived about it, not even a hundred years ago. So in many ways, technology, instead of allowing us to become better people, is in many ways has, has fractured society even more. You can. It's even fair to say that technology, in some instances, is is, is a real negative. You know, we we talk about, and it's not necessarily just artificial intelligence, but just in general. You know, we talk about people with uh, computers and, and on the internet a lot, and video games, and and on the cell phones, and you know, even when they're talking to people, are they really talking to somebody? Where is the fellowship that people used to have? Hell, why do you think people went to the bridge club or the chess club or the card game? You really think guys went to the card game because they wanted to win some money? Nope. Just talk about guy talk and have a couple of drinks and smoke some cigarettes or cigars. and It's just about getting together with guys and hanging out and having a good time. The fellowship of somebody like you becomes less and less and less. 
people, incredibly enough, through technology, have learned to communicate more, but fellowship less, which in the end, truly is communicating less. Because we're going to count, you know, hey Mark, I had like, from my phone total here, over 700 phone calls from my mom. That's great, but, um, you know, when was the last time you visited her? How oh, about four years ago? Four years ago, you haven't visited your mom, but you had 700 phone calls. What's it about people? You can tell people from how you look at them, what they look at you. Do they have a good carry about them? Are they down and out? Or are they are they doing okay? Are they happy? Are they sad? You know, you can tell the state of affairs a bit from somebody. You can't do that when you're on the phone or in the computer. Tell you can't even really do it on a Zoom video chat because, again, it's like a it's like a, a date or a first or second date or whatever. You know, you're not putting everything out there. You're just putting the best out there. You know. I remember my father saying, and I don't think he meant this, meant this in a superficial way. It was a more metaphorical way, but, you know, they were very colorful back then. But he always said, hey, that's wonderful to marry the pretty girl, but you still got to live with the girl when she doesn't have the makeup on either. I mean, so it was just a way of saying that, you know, behind closed doors, behind the public facade, you still got to deal with all of that. Good, bad, or indifferent. And you can't do that when you, have, you don't have fellowship with people. This is another way I think that art allows us, especially the literary, you know, to, to create a form of fellowship with people. You got people who read books and book clubs and poetry circles and readings and all of that. It allows them to make some kind of connection. Hell, I think right now poetry readings are probably more important than ever before because people just don't really have the same social engagement anymore. There's so much down. Church membership's down. So much stuff is down. Even voting's down. People just don't believe in a whole lot anymore. Which is, I don't know why people would want to continue promoting artificial intelligence because, you know... How is that supposed to improve anything? I mean, I guess there's the off chance that since you don't really believe a lot in humanity anyway, why not a lot of machine take over? But, you know, that's that giving up. That's just way too cynical. But you still have to wonder if the people behind this sort of thing, this, that's how they think. Eh, it doesn't matter. They don't care. Whatever you do, do it as a human being. Don't allow a machine take over to do something. Because that's how you leave your imprint on whatever task it is, hell, whatever this world is about. We, we say this all the time, that it's important to be an individual, to have a voice. How do you do that if you have this artificial intelligence 
in the way all the time, dealing with stuff rather than you dealing with it. I don't really believe in the whole adage or the metaphor of master and slave. It never really struck me as being smart. I don't believe that the dog or, or my cat is my slave or my servant, okay? All right? It's a family member, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll leave it as that. It's still an animal, so I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking it's going to vote tomorrow. You know, although I really wouldn't mind taking a tax deduction on it. So if you want to push that, I'll, I'll have no problem with that, okay? <laughs> um, and I, 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 I'm even, I guess just for the legal sense of the owner, okay, fine. Because I'm responsible for it, but... It's important that machines maybe do some of the things that we need to get, to get done to help speed up some things in our lives that they can do better at that's not endangering us. Meaning that, and I'm really certain of this, okay? A washing machine can do better washing the clothes than I can against a rock or the stream, okay? Not to mention all the extra time I have now to deal with all that stuff. And maybe a computer behind a microscope can discover more things about cells or diseases or things like that, can come up with some ideas. There's nothing wrong with that either. We've seen possible uh, computer uh, taking over of telescopes. Maybe they could discover new stars, new galaxies, spaceships, whatever. Fine. There's things that can be done that on a limited basis. As long as we have an understanding of the oversight involved and the ethical consideration. But there's no reason for it to be involved in too much military stuff there. There's no reason for it to be involved in too much of the Internet. God knows I wouldn't want to be dealing with the power system, you know, energy generation of a city. we got to have some common sense here. And, of course, there's just no way for it to ever really duplicate anything to do with art. That is not only a fallacy, it is in many ways a simply a counterfeit. And ultimately that's really what the best way to describe artificial intelligence is, you know, it's a counterfeit. I'll leave you with this because it's a true life fact, unfortunately. Uh, Dr. Alan Turin is a man that um, was a mathematician in Britain. He helped break the, the uh, German Enigma Code. And unfortunately, after saving millions of lives, uh, the British government decides to chemically castrate him um, because he was a homosexual. And of course, he committed suicide. But besides breaking the code, he had a lot of incredible ideas about machinery and looking into them in the future. And one of the first things he talked about, it's what's called the Turing test. And the Turing test was when a computer mimicking a female can get you to open up possibly even seduce you that's when artificial intelligence is broken through and that's when it becomes dangerous at that point that happened only but a few years ago and he predicted this in I think it was the early 1950s So it's here now. Turing test happened. We failed. 
and it's becoming more dangerous than we can ever imagine. That's why we don't need to be imagining these things. We need to make sure that we come together. We got to figure out as a public how we can inform our own leadership in in government so that they can kind of come up with some policies. Because it's not helpful if government's involved in corporations and you know and all sorts of um, money involved in their campaigns just to look the other way or come up with some rationalization or something. This stuff is truly dangerous. All right, folks, hopefully I helped you a little bit on understanding some of these things and how they can affect our lives in an incredibly uh, negative way. <laughs> Who would thought that Hollywood finally gets something right? Let's hope that um, there's still time for us to do something about this. All right, folks, until next time, that was uh, Stupidity of Artificial Intelligence, episode 256 for MindSpeak. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. Good night. for listening follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com